Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where by the time you listen to this, Alex Caruso will probably already be a Cleveland Cavalier. Cal Kuzma will be King Cal Kuzma, as in Sacramento King Cal Kuzma. (laughs) KCP will be tanning it up in Orlando with the magic, and uh, Dennis Schroeder will be at home with his headset as part of Germany's professional Call of Duty e-gaming team. I'm just (laughs) kidding. All jokes aside, it's that time of the year again. Wild off-season speculation and hypothetical trade extravaganzas, i.e. our time to shine. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. Tommy, are you ready to go through a slew of hypothetical trade scenarios and free agent signings? And on top of that, in our six-year history of this podcast, do you recall us getting any trade or signing down right via our rampant speculation, the actual signing or trade in terms of personnel? Uh, I don't think so. I, I, I mean, we've, it's been so many years, but I, I, I think the answer is probably no, except for the stuff that was like so heavily speculated yeah, upon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of rejiggered my mind, rejogged my memory. And I think we've gotten a lot of general directions correctly, like the way yeah, yeah. things would go. So for example, we all knew Lou Williams was going to be traded that year that he was traded for Larry Nance and no, not Larry Nance. <laughs> he was traded for... Uh, for the pick that would become Larry Nance. No, no. We already have Larry Nance. We traded Lou for the pick that... Uh, I don't even remember who that pick Like became. Mo Wagner or something? Yeah, something like that. Okay, so we got the, <laughs> we got the trade down right that Lou Will was 100% going to be traded. We really wanted D'Angelo Russell instead of Jaleel Okafor. We ended up drafting D'Angelo Russell. We wanted Ingram instead of Ben Simmons. We drafted Ingram. So we've got in general direction right, but we have still yet to get the exact trade specifics. I think a lot of that is due to the fact that Rob Palenka keeps everything pretty close to the chest, and uh, that's a good thing for the Lakers. So yeah, but today we're going to continue to try and throw shit at the wall and see if anything sticks. And this this episode will be a very early first impressions, like this is what the landscape is going to look like. It's not going to get too heavy into analysis or even cap specifics and whether or not this is doable. I mean, for the most part, I've done my homework in terms of the baseline feasibility of things. But obviously, there are probably a lot more nuances that need to be ironed out. So just consider this like a fun, you know, off-season podcast where I throw out a bunch of potential trade scenarios and names, and Tommy will give me his feedback, and he may have some of his own. So with that said, uh, let's get into it. 
I guess we can start very general and vague first, Tommy, um, and you don't have to go too long on this, but what are some, this is such a loaded question, like what are some general needs that you feel like the Lakers need going into next season? And I guess to make it more succinct, let's say your top two needs. Okay, top two needs I think for me are easy. I think number one by far and away is three-point shooting, Mm -hmm. um, which has been the need for the last decade, it feels like. But that number one for sure for me would be three-point shooting. And number two, I would say... It's a toss-up. I guess maybe not so easy. It's a toss-up for me between overall athleticism and um, more guys who can handle the ball. Yeah, I I would say it's a toss-up between those two. Yeah, so for me, I have shooters at the top and then ball handlers second. And then third would obviously be kind of what you were alluding to, like a mobile athletic center to sort of help uh, as an Anthony Davis center buffer to help kind of, you know, soak up all of that that bruising throughout the regular season so that Anthony Davis doesn't have to. Um, I think for me, if we look back on Palinka's history, I would almost approach this offseason as merging Majinka's year one plan of just getting a whole bunch of ball handlers who couldn't shoot and then merging it with year two where then they where they pivoted to getting a whole bunch of three-point shooters, right? So if we can find like a happy medium with guys who can do stuff with the ball and not just be so one-dimensionally, not just be such a one-dimensional shooter, but also better shooters than what we got that first year with like Lance Stevenson and Rajon Rondo, et cetera. Okay, so let's get into some trade scenarios. I'll throw out a couple caveats in terms of the Lakers are going to be picking at Number 22 this year in the draft, uh, the rookie scale rate of that draft pick will be around $2 million. Uh, they also now have some salary ballast that they can use um, in any trades, obviously not including Anthony Davis and LeBron James, but they've got Kyle Kuzma at $13 million starting next year because of the extension that he signed this year. They've got KCP at $13 million. They might have Trez if he you know, opts into his player option or if he decides to stay on at $9 million. And then presumably they'd have Alex Caruso, THT, and Schroeder down the line to execute bigger trades for more valuable players. But I think for this episode, we'll keep it at if the Lakers plan to make a trade on draft day. So that kind of limits a lot of things just because uh, Schroeder's a free agent, Alex Caruso's a free agent, THT is a free agent. So if the Lakers want to use their number 22 pick in a trade, you can't necessarily package those guys on draft night with that number 22 pick. Um, you'd have to package them in a bigger deal later on down the road. And whoever you trade with would have to be okay with whoever you picked at number 22. So for this, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And let me just add one more thing. Another reason why the sign and trade for a lot of those guys, like beyond the being able to uh, package package with the pick issue, sign and trade doesn't really work for our roster this year. I mean, maybe Rob is, and you, you know, you probably actually know the numbers pretty well at this point, but, and, and I'm sure Rob of course is very closely looking at the numbers, the hard cap in the NBA is signing and trading hard caps you. Right. And so the hard cap is let's roughly, I mean, let's round up. It's like 140 ish, right? It, I've, of course, some guy's going to reply and be like, actually, it's 139.4. <laughs> it's like approximately 140. We are committed, guaranteed. If everybody opts out, we don't bring anybody back. We're for five guys, guaranteed contracts for next season, we're already at 110, which leaves us 30 million to play with for like the rest of the roster. If you do a sign in trade, 
you're hard capped at 140. It just like you start to, and again, Rob, I'm sure has like his Rubik's cube of all different kinds of outcomes here. But the reason I, I can't really, and not to be a wet blanket, but it's hard for me to entertain uh, sign and trade possibilities with this roster is it's just, it's going to be very, very difficult to see how we can put together a team where, you know, unless we're trading Kuzma and KCP for guys who make significantly less, uh, how we're going to put together a team that's hard capped um, and, and fill out the entire roster. So right. anyway, is, you, you can continue. So, I mean, to summarize, don't put THT in any draft day trades. Don't even put him in any offseason trades because, like you mentioned, signing and trading him is already going to be difficult. I think it's difficult by default, but then you tack on the fact that he has that Gilbert Arenas rule potentially weighing against him where the Lakers will have to see what teams might offer him that poison pill contract that starts at $10 million the first year, $10 million the second year, and then up to his max the third year and onward, right? So Schroeder, THT, AC, don't even bother putting them in any draft day scenarios. They may get traded down the line, but that probably wouldn't happen until the trade deadline, right? Unless it is a sign and trade, but you just said, it's already so difficult to find the right team to do that. So right. for the purposes of this episode, we're going to be talking about KCP, Cal Kuzma, and Marc Gasol. Marc Gasol makes $2.5 million. Yeah. And uh, number 22. So you put that all together, that's 30.5 outgoing salary if you need that's to match. That's pretty good, right? yeah. So that's yeah. pretty good. So let's see. I want to put some caveats on KCP and Kuz because this episode is going to sound like, yeah, let's just throw them away. You know, we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> They're trash. Uh, uh, I want to remind everybody that KCP was hurt by the time the playoffs rolled around. But if you look at his season, he still shot 41% from three. And that is a career high for KCP in the he's regular also season. A, he's also effectively an expiring contract because his, his year after next year is not guaranteed. So next year is his last year. And then the third year is a team option. So he's actually a pretty attractive contract. Yep. Um, and then Kyle Kuzma, I mean, we all know he, he, he sputtered out in the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of that is also due to the fact that the Lakers collectively sputtered together once Anthony Davis went down. And I want to remind everybody that as a, the starting forward on this team this season when AD was out, when Kyle Kuzma was playing 32 minutes, he still averaged 15.6 rebounds, 2.5 assists on 43% from the field, 34.5% from three, knocking down 2.4 a game. It's hard to find someone like that that you can just plug into a spot or to plug into that position and just produce as a starter. On top of the fact that he just knows his role on this team when he's not a starter, he just plays solid defense. And, you know, by all accounts, this still was objectively probably his most well-rounded season as a pro, right? It just didn't. It just didn't end up panning out in the playoffs. But who did it really pan out for in the playoffs? Um, Okay, so let's get to some Kuzma KCP trades. All right. Um, okay, so the the two ones that are kind of, you know, floating about there that we can kind of get rid of pretty easily because I feel like people have already heard it, but you can give me your opinions are. All right, let's do number 22 in Kuzma for uh, Terrence Ross. So Terrence Ross is 30, 30 years old next year. He has two more years on his contract, including next year. Um, he's going to be paid $12 million this upcoming season, $11.5 million the following season. So pretty cheap, reasonable contract for him. He averaged 15.6 points, 2.3 assists in 29 minutes last year, 1.93s on only 33% from three. Oh, wow. That's not great. (laughs) And then um, last year he hit 2.6 from three, which is good, but at only 35%. And so by comparison, Kuzma 
you know, made two threes a game this year and shot 36% from the from three-point land. Uh, so, yeah, what are your thoughts on Terrace Ross? I actually thought before I looked into the numbers, I was like, yeah, let's just do it. We need to shake things up. And then I looked at the numbers and I was like, wait, Kuzma shoots better than this. I, I don't really know. <laughs> so the reason I am kind of interested is because Kuzma does technically shoot better, but I feel like Terrence Ross is a little bit uh, more of a dynamic scorer. Um mm-hmm. Keep in mind, he was playing with Orlando, right? And Orlando has not been the most efficient offensive team. I mean, he's only a couple of years removed from hitting 38% uh, in the 2018-19 season. Uh, like you said, in last year, not this past season, but the prior season, 2019-2020, he hit 35%. And these are all, by the way, on high, high volume. Last year, down year, he didn't play a bunch of games. Orlando was a tanking team. I mean, it, there's a lot of factors, but... I, one one thing that's kind of int- intrigues me a little bit about it is the fact that he can, you know, you could send him out there to just be like a primary scorer. I mean, he had some, I don't know if it was this past season, but he, he, he in recent years has had some like 30, you know, even 40 point games, right? So mm-hmm. he he can go out there and really light it up. And of course he's streaky and, and all this and that. And maybe efficiency wise, he doesn't you know, jump out at you on the page, but he's still a career, you know, 30, high 36, 36.7% shooter career, uh, from three. And, um, uh, we, at, at some level, you know, he's also, sorry, a very good free throw shooter career, 84%. So at some level, we just need guys who can like score the ball though. And as much as I like Kuz and he brings a lot defensively and, you know, he's maybe a slightly more efficient or as efficient shooter, Terrence Ross brings a little bit different of, would bring a little bit different of a dynamic in terms of, He's a guy who can go out there and get you 20, 30 and come out, you know, get super hot, play 25 minutes and, and score 25 point type of guy, you know? Yeah. And I think Terrence Ross, I think he's like scored 50 points with the Raptors. Then again, Corey Brewer scored 50 points as well. But I think what you're right. saying is Terrence Ross is a more versatile scorer. He can hit a pull-up mid-range J off the dribble, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Um, yeah. I think I would not be mad at all at this trade. And just for the virtue of we need to shake things up a little bit find something new, find some more dynamic scoring. I wouldn't be mad at it, but I'd still hope for something higher, especially if we're going to trade the number 22 pick along with Kuz, who, you know, would still only be 25, 26 this upcoming year. Um, Okay, and I guess I'm leading to this next trade, which people have been talking about as well, and I think we talked about it literally the night the Lakers got eliminated. Number 22 in Kuzma, I think you may have to package KCP in here as well to make the numbers work. Um, but maybe you don't have to. But number 22 in Kuz would be the center part of this package for Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald has a declining salary of $22 million, $20 million, and then $18 million um, in his third year. Uh, Buddy Heald will be 28 next year, although he may secretly be 35 already. We don't know. Uh, Kuz will be 26. Um, Last year, Heald averaged 16.6 points, 3.6 assists, 39% 39% from three, hitting four a game. Now that is volume three-point yeah, shooting. That's volume. Uh, he was only 40% from the field, but all he does is take threes, which is fine. Right. So your thoughts on Buddy Heald? Uh, yeah, Buddy Heald is, checks a lot of boxes for us in terms of, and it's interesting you, you, you bring up, or you brought up in the Terrence Ross point, like it's not just a guy who can hit a three, right? Some guys can hit, Ben McLemore can hit some threes, right? But we also just need to balance our roster more in terms of a guy who can catch the ball. And if 
the three is not available, or like you know, another example, Wes Matthews, he could he could shoot some threes. But if the three is not available, what else can you do? Can you put the ball on the floor and do something else? Buddy Heald, yes, he can do that. Um, and 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 so from that perspective, maybe you lose a little defense, but you gain a little bit more versatility, which I which I like. So I'm also into that trade. Cool. Yeah, me too. Uh, that's that's definitely a trade that I would be like, all right, let's let's swing that for a dynamic shooter like Buddy Heald who, you know, can kind of get that shot off off the dribble with those step back step back shots that kind of Damian Lillard light-ish. So, yeah, I would definitely pull that trade. Uh here are some quick hitters for like I don't even know what you're going to think of these. Uh I kind of pulled this out of my ass. Um Kyle Kuzma to Minnesota for Jarrett Culver and Jaden McDaniels. Kyle Kuzma to Minnesota. For him. I don't think Minnesota uh, would do this because Jaden McDaniels had a pretty good season even as a rookie last year. But let's just say they're like, we need a more established wing next to Carl Towns and um, D'Angelo Russell and Beasley. I don't know that I would do that. And and the reason is, I think Gerald uh, excuse me, Jarrett Cole, and I don't know the Minnesota would either, but I think Culver yeah. has, he hasn't shown anything really so far, but he still has a good amount of upside. Um, I don't think either of those guys really solve our shooting problem unless there's something about. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Jada McDaniels shot okay and showed promise as like this, you know, pseudo um, Jonathan Isaac, but the Lakers probably aren't the team to start unless they know something we don't about LeBron James medicals and they're really ready to turn it over to the Anthony Davis era. But um, right, right, right. I mean, he shot 36% from three and all that, but he's more of a, definitely more of a project. So yeah, both of those guys really. So sure. I probably, I probably wouldn't do that. All right. What about Cal Kuzma to the Spurs for DeJounte Murray and Lonnie Walker? So I mean, <laughs> yeah, I did do not think there's any chance in hell the Spurs would do do this trade, but I would absolutely do it. I mean, I think DeJounte Murray is like a legit... I mean, he could start for us very easily. Um, yeah. He, he's a very, very good player, in my opinion. And uh, uh, Lonnie Walker, I, I don't know a ton about him, to be honest with you, but, I mean, he seems like pretty athletic, uh, you know, good size for a two who can, you know, with, with upside to defend some wings and... And so, I, I, I mean, I would absolutely do it. I, I don't think the Spurs would do it. Yeah, getting DeJounte would kind of be like a reset on Schroeder, and we just don't, we won't pay him anymore. And we're like, all right, this is the guy we can mold from the beginning and get some of his bad habits out of the way now. Uh, DeJounte averaged 16 points, five assists, seven rebounds as a guard. My God. Uh, not that good of a shooter, but that's okay. I think he can still improve on that. And uh, Lonnie Walker is just kind of like one of those microwave scorers off the bench or something that can hit some threes and, you know, give you some athleticism. Yeah, especially athleticism. Um, all right. Uh, let me just get through some of these, like, bottom barrel ones first. Um, Kyle Kuzma for Landry Shamit and Nick Claxton. Huh. Nick Claxton is kind of like the guy here because, he, you know, he uh, he showed yeah. some promise after Jarrett Allen left. But also Landry Shamit, you can still I mean, do stuff I with him. I don't hate Landry Shamit. I actually think Landry Shamit is a pretty solid defender. Uh, he's pretty quick. Um, you know, he can hit a corner three. I think he's actually improving. I mean, he he's a good shooter. I think he needs more reps of like taking shots that like mean something. I think we saw like kind of last year, and frankly, I mean, I haven't watched the Nets super closely this year, but it feels like this year is is a similar similar story with him in terms of he kind of fades away in, in these bigger games. But um, 
he's still young and he's got upside. And like you said, Claxton is if 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 the goal is to look for somebody who could be a potential like athletic big to just stick next to AD, I think Claxton pretty well fits that. Um, mm-hmm. And that one, I mean, this trade, I actually don't. I don't think the Nets would be super opposed to. I mean, it's always hard to predict what teams want, right? But Kuzma gives them like a little bit. I mean, he's not old, but he gives them like a little bit more vet experience. He gives them defense, wing defense. He gives them um, uh, just overall a more developed product than what they have currently in Claxton. Um, So, I mean, I would for sure do the trade. I think that's a pretty interesting one, actually, but Mm -hmm. I, I think I would do that one. Yeah, and obviously the Nets would have to, you know, call up more salary to match with Kuzma, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but we don't have to get into the cap specifics right now. It's just possible if the two teams actually want to make that deal happen. Um, okay, let's get the this other trade out of the way. Um, a trade involving Kuzma, 22 KCP for Miles Turner. Now, the question here isn't, would we do it? <laughs> it's like, would Indiana do that? Because I feel like we'd be outbid for sure, but I don't know the circumstances or context that Miles Turner and Indiana are working with. But let's say, all right, Kuzma, KCP, and number 22, and Indiana's like, all right, we'll take those. Here's Miles Turner. Okay. If they, assuming, yes, like assuming they would do it, then yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think you do it okay. all the time. It's it's unfortunate we don't have more picks because I actually think, you know, Miles Turner only has two years left on his deal. KCP is an expiring contract. Uh, Kuz is not a bad deal. I mean, let's see, do they have any, like we could potentially take a bad contract off their hands that they maybe, you know, want, want to That's be true. Uh, getting rid of at this point. Uh, maybe like, I don't know if they're eager to get rid of Justin Holiday, but maybe somebody like him or maybe Jeremy Lamb even um, would be close. I would have to see how the numbers would work there, but we could potentially take Jeremy Lamb off their hands. Um, so I think if you can get, if you can do anything to get Miles Turner, you do it. Um, I just wish that we had more assets to work with because I feel like if we had two first, like two first Kuzma KCP, for Miles Turner, that's not that crazy to me. I think, you know, like we said, KCP, first of all, he, that Indiana wants to make the playoffs. I mean, they fired their coach. Like they're trying to win, like uh, not win a championship, but they're trying to make the playoffs like next year. KCP and Kuz both help them towards that goal right away. They both bring defense. They both bring uh, kind of dynamics that Indy doesn't really have right now, especially in terms of wing defense. You throw in on top of this, KCP is effectively an expiring contract. I just think if we have like one more first round pick to work with, it would make our package a lot better. But yeah, if you can get Miles Turner, you do anything you can, anything in your power to get him and put him next to AD. All right. So then I'll have a follow up question to this. Once we sign THT and let's say we sign him to a pretty reasonable deal of like $10 million over the next three years each. So like $30 million contract over three at the trade deadline, if that trade is still available to you and they say, okay, well, give us THT, Kuzma THT or whatever, and the number 22 pick, whoever you pick there, would you still do it? Uh, that one's closer. That one's a lot closer, I think. Um, it would ha- it, A lot would hinge on how THT looks in the first half of the season yeah. next year. Um, but as based on what we know right now, I still kind of think I would do it, but I, it, it, feels, it feels like I'm shortchanging THT a little bit here because it's like I – this guy is so young. He's developing so rapidly. I mean, I think the guy that we see come into camp in the beginning of part of next season is going to look so different than what we saw. So that one's tough. 
I think I would do it, just gun to my head. But if I actually think about it, and I'm like, it's so hard to find, and we're seeing it now, to find just guys who can create with the ball, you know, and do yeah, it in like yeah. unique ways, and to get rid of a guy like that, it's tough. Okay, so let's move on. This one's interesting. Kuzma and KCP to Orlando for Mo Bamba, $7 million, and Gary Harris, $20 million expiring. Mm. 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 Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that's, the, that's the rest of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that one's tough because... I mean, Mo missed. Did he miss this whole season, or did he play? No, he they they just kind of really didn't play him a lot. I think okay. once they started shifting to like a tank mode again, they they started ramping his minutes up and stuff. But I don't think they think he can play more than like twenty minutes or something. I don't know if that's a medical thing, but they really haven't unleashed him yet. I mean, I like Gary Harris actually probably more than some people do. Uh, it's just it's giving away a lot for a lot of uncertainty. Like yeah, I don't know yeah. that Gary Harris really brings us anything that I mean he's be, he's a better ball handler and he could do a few more things than KCP, but I don't think he's as good of a shooter or defender. Um he's a good he's not a bad defender, but I think KCP is pretty actually pretty good. Um and then with Mo, you just you have no clue what you're getting, right? And then it's like who like who knows how much he could play? He's kind of a project. I'd probably pass on something like that. Gary Harris is somehow only 26 years old, though. I, I, I'd say this is yeah, one of those young, deals yeah. where if it happens, I'd be like, huh, interesting, and just try and look at the bright side for it because yeah, there yeah. are some bright side things. But I think right now you're like, uh, maybe too many question marks. Okay, last trade proposal before I turn this to the break and get to some semi-big shifting trades. Uh, Kuzma to Chicago for Larry Markinen. And this is obviously presuming that Chicago would do this, but I don't yeah. know. They've had a lot of big shuffling going on there, especially with Vucevic. And um, I, they did get rid of, uh, what's his name, Wendell Carter. Um, but they brought Larry Markinen off the bench, too, and started Daniel Tice. So who knows what they have planned for Larry Markinen. Maybe they don't want to pay him in the future as well. But let's say Kuzma, 22, Larry Markinen, you find a way to make the salaries match, etc. I would, this is one, I probably would do this, actually. I, I think Larry Markinen has... A ton of upside, and and I think you're right that maybe the Bulls might be looking to move him. They obviously got Vooch, uh, Vooch on that big deal. You're right that they traded uh, what's his name Wendell Carter to get Vooch, but so you know it makes you wonder maybe they keep Laurie. But I, I feel like they need a, a little bit more of a contrasting player to Vooch's talent. They, they need a and they probably will address this in the draft this year. But they kind of need like a more athletic big man. I feel like to complement their front court. So. Maybe they are looking to get rid of Laurie. He has a qualifying offer uh, this summer. Um, so actually, I don't even know if they could. I'm not really sure how that would work for his, uh, with respect to his trade. But mm-hmm. you know, maybe they maybe they just give him the qualifying offer and he accepts it and then gets traded. I, I don't know. You know, th- putting aside all the details, like I think this kind of makes sense for us just because Kuzma. Kuzma is not a bad player, but Laurie kind of brings... First of all, I think he had a really good rookie year, and I don't know what happened, but it it seems like he hasn't fully lived up to that. But I think he has some good upside, and um, I think think he brings a a dynamic that we could kind of use on this team. But it's, it's a risk, but I think I would do that one. 
Yeah, I think I would do it too, just to mind the upside. My fear is just that he's just so terrible defensively that I, yeah, whatever offensive pop he brings. I, I, so my fear is he becomes Ar- Andrea Bargnani or whatever. You know, like the first few years you think Bargnani's pretty good. And then you get him on the team and you're like, okay, this guy just does, he's like a bad Channing Fry or something. I know. And the problem is, as we've seen in like, you know, being a fan of competitive, <laughs> you know, being fans of a competitive team for the last few years, when it comes time to like the showdown, it doesn't matter how good you, I mean, with some exception, of course, if you're an elite all, like all-star, sure, you can be, you can get away with being not great defensively. But if you're a role player, you cannot see the court if you can't play defense in the playoffs yeah. because teams are so good now at like attacking. I mean, they'll just attack you every single time. They'll seek you out your matchup and they'll just find you every time and attack you. And so it kind of like, so the fact that you, you know, shot 40%, like Mark and 26 minutes a game, 40% from three, 48% from the field, 14 points a game, five boards. That's great. And you did that during the regular the regular season. But if you can't see the court for 25 minutes a game in the playoffs because you play no defense, what good does it do us, right? Right. Exactly. All right. With that said, we will take it to break when we return some bigger trades that are semi-realistic. And then we'll just quickly wrap it up with some free agency tidbits. So we'll catch you guys after the break. Hey, folks, quick interjection here before we turn it to our part two segment involving some bigger name trades. We recorded this segment about a week ago, and within that time span, a trade went down in the NBA involving the Boston Celtics and the Oklahoma City Thunder, with Kemba Walker and the number 16th pick going over to Oklahoma City, and Al Horford and Moses Brown going over to the Boston Celtics. Now, the first trade you'll hear coming after the turn here involves Al Horford. I've chosen to keep it in this podcast episode just so you guys can see our line of thought and the types of players we're going for, i.e. Al Horford, and why it's a bit of a shame that this Boston Celtics-Oklahoma City trade went down because Al Horford would have been a good get or potentially solid get for the Lakers had he still been available. And now I know the next question will be, Well, Oklahoma City has Kemba Walker and they're not going to do anything with him, so the Lakers should go after Kemba Walker. And I would just like to immediately shut down any notions of the Lakers trading for Kemba Walker right now because Kemba Walker is making a combined $73 million over the next two years. He's going to make $36 million this upcoming year, and then he has a player option of $37 million the next year when he's 32 years old. He's already been very injury-prone over the last few years. The Lakers should 100% not trade for Kemba Walker. They currently don't even have the contracts to match that type of salary. It would have to include Kyle Kuzma, KCP, Alex Caruso after he signs his new deal, THT after he signs his new deal. So at this point, it's kind of useless to try and come up with Oklahoma City, Lakers, trade packages involving Kemba Walker. And even at the surface here, even at the foundational level of Kyle Kuzma and KCP, I don't think I'd do that for an injured Kemba Walker. Now, if Kemba Walker gets bought out, that's a different story. When that time comes, yeah, the Lakers should absolutely look at him because he is a primary scoring guard that can definitely help the Lakers' offensive problems. But as of now, no Kemba Walker. And so, yeah, uh, with that caveat out of the way, I'm going to turn it over now to our previously recorded Part 2 segment where we go over some semi-big names for potential trades. And again, this first one's going to involve Al Horford. You can disregard it if you'd like, but I thought it would be useful and informative for you guys to just hear our thought process of going after potentially a guy like Al Horford, and then you can translate that out to similar templated sort of players. So with that said, enjoy Part 2. All right, we're back. Tommy, here are my semi-big shifting trades, the non-heeled, non-T Ross version. 
First one up, a trade with the Oklahoma City Thunder for Al Horford and Ty Jerome. Okay, so Al Horford is... Wow! I know, exactly. Horford is 35 years old. He has two more years at 27 and 26 million, respectively. You can pretty much do KCP and Kuzma and get Al Horford and, you know, toss in number 22 and we get Ty Jerome, who I think is a pretty good prospect and can really do stuff on the ball and also shoot really well. It's interesting. And I feel like Al Horford, you know, actually, now that I, I just actually pulled up the numbers while you were talking about that, Al Horford is. He was is good only this one, season. Well, he's good this season, but he's only actually one year guaranteed. His second year is non guaranteed. So that makes oh, it a little expiring? bit more palatable. He's not expiring, but his 2022 23 season is non guaranteed. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So he's effectively. Essentially expiring. Could be for us. Yeah. Yeah. Expiring. Um, I don't hate this trade because you sort of consolidate. You get two guys who I don't want to call them mediocre because I feel like KCP especially has done a lot for us in our runs. But you're replacing those guys with a guy who solves a lot of – checks a lot of boxes for us. Okay, sure, we lose – He's essentially a slightly better version of what we tried to do with Marcus Gasol this year. And I feel like Al Horford mm-hmm. has a little bit of gotten a little bit of a bad rap just because he has been put in situations where it was just hard for him to succeed. I mean, Boston gave him the big deal right in the beginning. And, you, you know, he obviously uh, look, let's look at his career. He had a good, he had a good career in Atlanta. He played very well and he became kind of like the all-star Al Horford that most people think of when he went to Boston. I just feel like he was, and then even subsequently with, uh, did he come from Boston straight to OKC? Do you remember? Yes, I think he did. Right? Yes, I think so. So I guess with, no, Boston, no, no. He went to the Sixers. My bad. He went to oh, the Sixers. Right. Of and then the they, Sixers. Yeah. So I feel like with Boston and the Sixers, the problem with both of those teams is he was not a great roster fit at all. With Boston, they were trying to have him be like, they were trying to, they were trying to have him do too much over there. And you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, like if Boston had their current team plus Al Horford, it would be amazing. Right. But it was like the timing was off. He was put into a position where he had to be like a prime, like way too much of a primary score. They leaned on him like way too much for offense. And that's just not really his game. He's always been a complimentary player. Um, Philly, kind of a similar issue. Like they tried to jam that like MB to Horford thing and like make that work and then play both of those guys with, a guy in Ben Simmons who also can't really shoot. And, and, and so they, they tried to jam that and, and it didn't really work. Uh, obviously now he's been with OKC. Um, like you mentioned, he had a good season. Um, I, I think Al Horford, he doesn't give us the springy dynamic that we're looking for necessarily next to AD, but as we saw kind of with what's his name, who we signed mid season this year for 10 to 10 days, Damian Jones. It's, it's, not impossible necessarily to find those types of guys to complement your bench. Um, but if you can get like a 34 year old Al Horford, 35, however old he is, who can provide you some playmaking, who can play fundamentally sound defense and solves the problem of a guy who you can throw out there to bang with centers and, you know, can still offer you some sort of uh, semblance of rim protection. I mean, you could actually do a lot worse than this. He also provides this uh, floor spacing dynamic with both LeBron and AD, and he is used to shooting a bit of a higher volume than Mark. I mean, he was a 14-point-per-game scorer this year. 
he's, I don't want to call him Mark Wash, but Mark is just at a different stage in his career than, uh, you know, even Al Horford, even they're just a few years in age, uh, separated, but I, I kind of am intrigued by this. It's something you think is potentially feasible because... Oh, very much so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, OKC has nothing... They can't do anything with Horford. Uh, Kuzma gives them a kind of young player to take a look at for a couple years well, while he's... Well, I mean, just take away Kuzma and KCP. They get a number 22 pick, and they're and like, they oh, another the first round. Which is the big thing, right? So the question is, because KCP and Kuzma, and I wonder if you even throw Mark in, right? And and they can just wave Mark. Um or they, they'll, they'll probably flip those two other guys for like more assets or for, for more draft picks. I think that's what they did with Danny Green, right? So yeah, it is what they did. So you know, yeah, exactly. So maybe they don't even wave Mark; they just use them for other assets. But I guess my my the point of that is you know bump up the salary, excuse me, the salary a little bit and see who else they're willing to throw in because I mean they have a ton of picks coming up and they have a ton of young guys. Um, on their roster. So, you know, maybe internally they've moved on from some of these guys and, and you kind of wonder like, okay, can you get a guy like, uh, uh, just Alexander. No, can you get a guy like, uh, uh, Ty Jerome, I think it, you know, is maybe reasonable. Like you brought up. And if we think we're, we're going to lose, um, Alex Caruso, maybe, maybe that makes sense for us. But I, I'm intrigued by this one and it's a big roster shakeup, but maybe, you know, that's kind of what we need at this point. And if it doesn't work out, like we kind of said, Al Horford's a big expiring contract to potentially use in a trade at the deadline and try to get somebody else. Yep. I think I would totally pull this deal too, especially now that I know the second year of this is non-guaranteed. And look, I just, I think just imagine we're getting Marcus Saul, his last year in Memphis, you know? Kind a little of, bit yeah. more mobile and agile, has, still has a scoring mentality. And Al Horford had a gap year last year. Like, they literally sat he, him half, of, half the season he and did. they were like, don't play. So this guy is rejuvenated. He's refreshed. I think you're going to get a pretty good Al Horford coming up here. So 100%. I think it's definitely worth the gamble. All right, let's run through these last few really quickly and just give me, like, almost yes or no answers with a little bit of caveat. Uh, let's go back to the Kyle Lowry trade. Let's trade KCP, Kuzma, and then this time the one thing that we have as a kind of differing mark because I know at the trade deadline Toronto wanted THT from us we don't have THT at this moment to give to them and even if we signed him I don't I still think we wouldn't give THT to them but we do have the 22 pick now so draft night we're like okay we'll give you Kuzma KCP and the number 22 you can do with Kuzma and KCP as you wish flip them for other assets etc would you do it for Kyle Lowry um with the caveat that this would never happen because like you know we we were we would have to do a sign and trade and we'd be hard capped and all the stuff that, you know, we kind of talked about earlier. Yes, I would do it like from a talent perspective. I mean, Kyler, Kyle Lowry kind of fits. I mean, he solves the, he is the ideal, like this type of, I'm not saying him maybe specifically, but he is the ideal type of player that you want next to LeBron and AD. He can hit threes on high volume. He can handle the ball. He's a, Really, really good defender. You can trust him at late game situations with the ball in his hand. He's been there, done that. I, I would absolutely do it. It would never happen because we'd be hard capped. And I mean, literally, just with him and LeBron and AD, I don't even know how you feel like the rest of a roster. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. because of the hard cap, so it would never happen. But yeah, I, I would do something like that. I would do it too. Let's do this next one really quickly. Trade for Kevin Love. He's 33 years old next year. He's making 31 million, 28 million the next two years. 
Uh, KCP, Kuzma, Marcus Gasol gets it done. Number 22 pick. Kevin Love reunited back with LeBron James. Yes? I would say no. Um, oh, Kevin Love, okay. <laughs> I would actually say no. Yeah, I don't know. Is that controversial? Kevin Love doesn't. No. He becomes a defensive liability. It works with LeBron. I mean, LeBron carried. LeBron deserves more credit, by the way, for that what he did with that Cleveland team. Sure. <laughs> you know, I mean, like he, Kevin Love is a very imperfect player, and LeBron carried that dude. Um, and obviously, he had a fantastic playoff performance from Kyrie as well. But I mean. LeBron saw, especially peak LeBron, solved for so many roster gaps, and we don't have that luxury, unfortunately, with 36-plus-year-old LeBron. So Kevin Love is just, he's not good enough defensively to justify the, the contract and justify the minutes he would, you know, require to have an impact for us, and and so I would pass on that. True. That's fair. I think on the surface, I'd still say, yeah, let's do it. Uh, okay, my last one to you. Okay, trade for Eric Gordon. No, right? Um, no. Okay. I mean, it, it makes me think a little bit because of it. you have a guard who can shoot threes but also do stuff off the dribble, but he's making 18, 19, and then 20 non-guaranteed in 2023-2024. What if you can get Eric Gordon and Daniel House? <laughs> I don't know if that makes a difference. <laughs> Danwell? Uh, Danwell. I don't, I still think no. I mean, if you're yeah. talking about like Kuz and Marcus all and like not the pick, then maybe I would do that for Eric Gordon. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I don't think I would. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with you. Okay, my last one, and I think this is pretty interesting. I just don't know, again, if Charlotte would do this, but this is with the Charlotte Hornets. You trade for Gordon Hayward, $29 million next year, $30 million the year after that, and then $31 million uh, his last, his third year. He'll be 31 this upcoming year, but this year he had like a renaissance. 20 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists on 47% from the field, 41% from 3. The downside is, of course, he only played 44 games because um, yeah. he was injured again. Um, but let's, you know, Kuzma, KCP, Mark, number 22, basically gets you there. You get this dynamic, good shooting, versatile, small forward next to LeBron James. Pretty much, you know, we're talking about DeMar DeRozan. Is he as athletic as DeMar? No, but he is a much more well-rounded player. So I'd still say no. I, I First of all, I don't think Charlotte would do it. But I'd still say no just because I, it's too he's too injury prone. If he had like one or two years left, maybe. But he's got three fully guaranteed years left. And it's it's too big of a risk to be saddled with, you know, let's say he even plays okay next year. But then you're still saddled with $62 million of salary for a guy who I feel like at any moment this dude's career is over, right? It's just like constantly he's on the brink. So I... I'd probably pass on that. Yeah, I think I'd still take the risks because, I mean, he's just so good. And I don't think his injury this year was related to the, what did he do to his arm or his leg or whatever? I forget what injury he had with Boston, but it was pretty uh, gruesome. But I don't think this year's injury was related to that. But then again, could be indirectly just because your body's breaking down and overcompensating for this limb and that. So, um, all right. The last thing that I want to throw out there, uh, it's not right now the Lakers can't trade for him because he's set to become an unrestricted free agent. But I just want to throw DeMar DeRozan's name out there. Um, because he could be a potential sign-and-trade candidate for the Spurs. Now, I know the history between the two teams, that they've never really made a deal with each other. The Spurs hate making any sort of deals with the Lakers. But if they know that they're going to lose out on DeMar DeRozan anyways, and DeMar DeRozan has his sights set on you know, signing with another team, 
maybe they'd entertain a sign-and-trade with the Lakers because DeMar DeRozan is from L.A. He went to school at USC. Presumably, L.A. and playing for the Lakers and playing, you know, under Kobe Bryant's shadow would be something legacy-defining for him and something that he'd be open to. And so in an event of a sign-and-trade, the Lakers could send back you know, Kyle Kuzma, who the Spurs have coveted ever since the year he was drafted because they were going to pick him until the Lakers selected him, I think, a slot before the Spurs were set to uh, take their pick. So they've long been enamored with Kyle Kuzma. And then we can also send them KCP, of course, the number 22nd pick if they want that. Um, although at that point, by the time free agency happens, we'll have already selected whoever we wanted at number 22, and the Spurs will just have to live with that player. Let's say DeMar DeRozan wants a starting salary of around 22 to $26 million. In a sign-in trade with Kyle Kuzma and KCP, we can make that happen. So I know DeMar DeRozan is a highly debated player or has been in the past, but I think it's clear, you know, regardless of whether or not he can shoot threes, which he can't, He's just a good primary scorer, and not only a primary scorer, but he can facilitate. He's a really good playmaker as well. I believe he had, you know, six assists this year and really improved that part of his game. Sorry, DeMar DeRozan actually had seven assists this year. He averaged 21.6 points, 4.2 rebounds, 6.9 assists, shot 49% from the field, barely took any threes, but hit 88% from the line. And yeah, if you're talking about a guy to give LeBron James and Anthony Davis relief and can hit a pull-up mid-range jump shot and do other things and create for himself and others, that guy's DeMar DeRozan while also adding some athleticism to this team as well. And as opposed to Dennis Schroeder, DeMar DeRozan is a legit wing-sized player who can help us out. Um, Again, we don't improve in shooting, but if you're looking for like a third, pseudo-third guy... That's DeMar DeRozan, to be that safety valve alongside LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And if it so happens that LeBron has to go down again or AD has to go down again, DeMar DeRozan is the type of guy who can carry your team and stem the tide, unlike the inconsistencies we saw when Dennis Schroeder tried to do it. So keep in mind that there is that sign-and-trade possibility open for the Lakers come free agency when DeMar DeRozan or if DeMar DeRozan says that he no longer wants to be a spur, find a way to get me to the Lakers, and you'll get something in return versus, you know, them just letting DeMar DeRozan walk and getting nothing back. So at least the Spurs can get Kyle Kuzma. They'll even get KCP. So, yeah, keep that in the back of your heads once free agency starts, even if no trade happens on, on draft night or whatever. So, yeah, that's the last thing I want to leave with you. Uh, All right, with that said, that'll do it for just the hypothetical trade stuff. We'll probably get more into this down the road in the offseason as it progresses, and we know more about people's free agency destinations and what they're going to command on the market, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll get into some, obviously, free agency stuff, and it's going to be short and sweet for the Lakers because they only have the mini-mid-level of around $5 million to use. Uh, But we'll get into more of that as the offseason progresses. But with that said, that's our trade hypotheticals, and... uh, Yeah, we will catch you next time. Tommy? Peace. Laters. Say goodbye 
credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.